I'm Captain Lou Albano talking to you about drugs. Kids, don't be afraid to say no. Anyone that asks you to use drugs is not your friend. Drugs can and will kill. Remember, don't be afraid to turn to your priest, your rabbi, your minister, your moms, your dads, your teachers, because drugs can kill. And if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die. Please. I need a volunteer to be my first sacrifice. Hello and welcome. Please. To another episode of Throwing Couch Potatoes, the show where you go to hell before you die. This episode I'm covering all the wrestling that I watched from April 9th to the 16th, which uh, this episode was only a paltry weak sauce 80 matches. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna put my hands up and say it wasn't my fault. A lot of the shows I normally watch had uh, way fewer matches this week. I think everyone's still exhausted from Mania Week, but I digress. Let's get into it. But first, rewind your minds back for the last time to Mania Week. On March the 31st, I finally got to see the prestige show that they had in L.A., Nervous Breakdown, from the Globe Theater, which opened with C420, Cody Chun, Guillermo Rosas, and Sonico versus L.A. Dojo, Kevin Knight, Yuya Uemura, and Clark Connors. Pretty solid opener to this show overall. It was a high-paced and spirited encounter. I gave it a 3 out of 5. Oh, man. Uh, I'm recording this one a little late on Tuesday because I had allergy symptoms yesterday. Sorry for the late episode, by the way. Uh, so this feels like 12,000 years ago. Uh, anyhow, went to uh, Calvin Tankman versus Vinny Massaro after that. Uh, big Hoss fights. Kind of slow compared to the previous match. I only gave it a 2.5. It was a little messy. But uh, after that, Titus Alexander took on Michael Oku for the West Coast Pro Heavyweight Championship. Uh, really liked this match. I'm a big fan of Titus Alexander. I had the good fortune to see him live a couple months ago. And Michael Oku is a really, really talented guy. Glad to see him mixing it up with some more American wrestlers. Uh, this is a 3.5. Definitely a good match. You should uh, check it out. Uh, after that, Midnight Heat, Eddie Pearl and Ricky Gibson took on Adam Brooks and Warhorse. Adam Brooks, of course, was supposed to be Davey Richards, but uh, controversy. In any case, uh, this was an okay brawling tag match. I haven't seen a Midnight Heat match so far that's really blown me away. But, uh, you know, the fans who are familiar with their work hate them quite a lot. So, what does that tell you? Uh, 2.75 for that match. I also gave uh, the same score to Taya Valkyrie versus Mio Yamashita. Uh, I was hoping for a little more out of this one. Uh, Taya maybe just uh, didn't quite click with Miu. Um, I, yeah, only 2.75. A little bit of a disappointment uh, compared to some of Miu's other uh, Mania Week matches. But nonetheless, not too bad. Then after that, Timothy Thatcher took on Robert Martyr in a pretty entertaining, hard-striking technical affair that you would come to expect from Timothy Thatcher. Uh, not quite something I would say you should go out of your way to see, but if you're already watching the show, definitely check this one out. It was a 3.25. Then Shigehiro Irie took on Kevin Blackwood. Uh, not as good as Shiggy's match against Speedball by a country mile, but this was still very entertaining, uh, Irie's offense is so unique, and uh, any match he's in is going to be a, a dynamic belter. Uh, definitely check this one out, probably the match of the night. Then Aja Kong took on Masha Slamovich in something of a dream match. Um, you know, Aja's pretty old. She can't do a whole lot these days, but just seeing her in a match with some of uh, these modern women's wrestlers that uh, you know she paved the way for is really cool. Uh, 2.75, not the best in-ring match uh, in the world, but it is a cool moment, and it's, uh, I'm glad they were able to book this one. And your main event, Time Splitters, Alex Shelley and Kushida, and Ultimo Dragon versus Team Filthy, Tom Lawler, Royce Isaacs, and Jorel Nelson. Uh, yeah, Time Splitters doing the most of the heavy lifting for their team, and Dragon getting you know the big superstar spots, uh, and Team Filthy being a delightful foil for them. This was a very enjoyable main event. Popped the crowd. It was energetic. Uh, yeah, good one to close the show off of. Overall, decent show. A couple of lower spots, but uh, still, it was an easy watch, and I would uh, recommend you check it out if you like anything Prestige has done in the past year. 
But back over to the actual week we're talking about. Over on the 10th, we watched AEW Elevation. And, oh, God, there was only four matches on this one. Oh, there's only four on Dark as well. No wonder my match total was so low this week. Anyways, it opened with, oh, shit, Kip Sabian, the Butcher and the Blade, taking on the Sana Kamina, Mao, Shunma Katsumata, and Yuki Uno. Really, really cool to see the Sana boys on Elevation. Uh, Mao especially really popped the crowd. I think he has a huge future in the United States as a breakout Japanese star. More Mao. People need to be booking him everywhere. He's a fucked up wrestler for a fucked up world, and we need more of that. Uh, this was a 3.5, very enjoyable six-man tag. Just seeing the, the Sonic Kamina on American TV is a trip. Uh, check this one out if you're not familiar with their work, because they're really, really special. Uh, after that, the Renegades, Robin and Charlotte, took on Nyla Rose and Marina Shafir. Uh, I feel like if this wasn't booked as a squash and was a little more of a competitive match, this could have been something really special. Um... Sadly, it's just a 3 out of 5. It was still really good. Uh, I just know that the Renegades, when they go all out and you know are trying to steal the show, they can be truly spectacular. And against a, another hard-hitting team like Nyla and Marina, I don't know. I'd like to see them run this one back. Fuck, make it no DQ. I don't know. I think it could have been a lot better. So I, I'd like to see them wrestle again. After that, the Dark Order, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds took on Aaron Rourke, Alvin Alvarez, and Brother Greatness. Um, pretty uneventful Dark Order, six-man squash. Uh, you know, they hit the big meat hammer move. It's 2.75. Nothing truly interesting to write home about here. And then for the main event, The Firm, Lee Moriarty and Big Bill took on Rex Lawless and Trax. And uh, unfortunately, this one wasn't as good as some of uh, Moriarty and Big Bill's matches have been lately. Uh, I found this one a little lacking and not great for the closing match for this uh, elevation. I would have maybe swapped it with uh, the Nyla Marina match. In any case, uh, pretty short elevation, not a whole lot to chew on here. Uh, but it did have one pretty good match, so, you know, worth checking out the opener, at least. Over to WWE Raw, which uh, packed its show with a lot more in-ring this week after the disaster that last week had, so I feel like that's a very deliberate choice, possibly on Triple H's uh, behalf. It opened with Rey Mysterio versus Finn Balor, and, uh, you know, maybe if Finn hadn't been, you know, exploded several times over in the last couple of weeks, this match could have been really something, but it was just a 2.75 ended in some shenanigans i don't know i would have liked to have seen a little more out of this next for the wwe women's tag team championship becky lynch and tris stratus taking on Liv morgan and raquel rodriguez you know the team that lost the women's uh, tag scramble at wrestlemania uh yeah they get a title shot and they win <laughs> it's pretty fucking dumb and stupid and this is a team that was just put together hastily a couple of weeks before mania like, why make the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship seem so useless and pointless if literally anybody, any two schmucks, can get together and win the fucking thing against one of the biggest wrestlers in the world and one of the biggest legends the women's division has ever had? Like, literally anybody could win this thing. Fucking the ring announcer lady could probably win it if she found a partner. Like, it's just a joke at this point. And it's really sad because, you know... Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, I feel like, could have maybe got a longer program out of this. In any case, the match was a 2.5. Nothing truly special about it, and the ending was pretty disappointing. Over to Bobby Lashley versus Bronson Reed, and uh, yeah, this one I think ended in a double countout pretty quickly. Um, unless I'm misremembering, that's about the only thing I can remember about this match. Uh, it's a 2 out of 5. Some big boys did some bumps up against each other. I don't know. This just wasn't for me. Moving on. Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis took on the Usos, Jimmy and Jay. Uh, it's weird seeing the Usos kind of bumped down a level after losing their titles. Uh, this was an okay match. Chad Gable and Otis have buckets of charisma and can usually get the crowd pretty uh, behind them. So three out of five, not bad. 
I also gave a 3 out of 5 to the women's uh, number one contender triple threat, Io Sky versus Mi Chin versus Piper Niven. This was a little more along the lines of what I've been expecting from, you know, the caliber of women on Raw lately. Uh, this match was pretty entertaining. It didn't take too long, didn't waste a whole lot of time, had some good action. I'd say it was probably the match of the night, 3 out of 5. And your main events, Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa for the fourth time this year. Uh, I don't know why. I guess Solo Sokoa is kind of like the D'Lo Brown of the bloodline where, you know, you can't beat up Roman, you can't beat up the Usos, so you beat up Solo in the main event. Uh, which I feel like exposes him a little more than he should be exposed. But in any case, this match was a little worse than some of their other encounters. Not a very good main event. I gave it a 2.75, which sucks to say about a Kevin Owens match. But, you know, I feel like they're going back to this well so often because they're really just not sure where to take this Bloodline storyline because the the obvious exits have long since been left in the rear view. Far better Raw than last week, but uh, still it seems creatively they're, they're floundering and I don't know where they're going with any of this. Back on over to AEW for Dak. We open with Brian Pillman Jr. against Matt Taven. Um, Two wrestlers I'm not a huge fan of, and uh, Pillman matches usually leave a lot to be desired. This was not an exception. 2.5 from me. Uh, Unfortunately, it takes an even bigger dip from there. Lee Johnson versus Blake Lee was a pretty lackluster match. I can't tell you a thing about it, I'm afraid. 2.25. Pretty forgettable. Then Josh Woods took on Daisy K in a slightly better squash that at least had uh, some good moves in it that I appreciated. Josh Woods is a very good wrestler. 2.75 for that one. In the main event, Diamante versus Willow Nightingale. Oh shit, suddenly I snapped awake. Uh, fuck yeah, this match is pretty awesome. I love both these women. They're one of those wrestlers that, uh, you know, even if it's on YouTube and hardly anyone's watching... They're like, well, what point is there to not go all out and put on a great performance and, you know, have something on this show be memorable? This match was hard-hitting. It uh, told a good story. Willow is just so entertaining and so likable. I think she's going to become one of the best baby faces AEW has because, you know, they know not to... <laughs> fuck up a good thing the fans are behind her so you know she'll be booked really strong and give them reasons to cheer why wouldn't you want your audience to be happy right uh mixed bag for dark one really good match that i think you should go out of your way to see uh in the main event but other than that pretty disposable over to nxt uh you know uh stand and deliver was a little lackluster they're still kind of trying to pick up their feet but we open with another women's tag team championship match. Uh, this time, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn against Fallon Henley and Kiana James, two women that I still, I couldn't point them out in a police lineup if you put a gun to my head. You know, I don't understand what this team is, why I should care. Uh, just, just, just bad. Just bad. Uh, this was a 2.5 match. I love that Alba Fire and Isla Dawn had one of the worst matches of the year, so obviously you put them in a tag team together. Uh, my head's starting to hurt. Uh, moving on. Javier Barnal versus Eddie Thorpe was next. Uh, so far, Eddie Thorpe has not done anything that makes me think this was a good move to leave New Japan. 2.5. And then uh, Tiffany Stratton took on Sol Ruka. They've got a lot of potential in the women's division uh, with women like Stratton and Sol. Uh, problem is, is that I think they're making them wrestle each other a little too often. I, I don't know. I feel like they need to be wrestling people with a little more experience. Because uh, if they just keep having highly choreographed matches on NXT with people who are also green, I don't know how they're supposed to get better. Because uh, this match kind of sucked. It was a 2.25 and doesn't make me hopeful for either of their futures. Uh, up next, Ilya Dragunov took on Von Wagner. And God, even Ilya can't drag Von to a, a good match. Uh, this one was uh, a little depressing, honestly, seeing Ilya slumming it in a, a shitty short match that uh, 
didn't make him look good. 2.25. Wow. Uh, and then Joe Coffey took on Tank Ledger. Oof. You see another one here where Tank doesn't look good. Joe doesn't particularly look all that much better. Just like a, a why? Why this match? I don't know. 2.5. And then your main events, a fatal four-way. JD McDonough, Duke Hudson, Dragon Lee, and Grayson Waller. I just realized last week that Duke Hudson is Elliot Sexton, uh, who I've actually seen live. I had no idea. Um, this was the only decent match on this show. Uh, JD McDonough and Dragon Lee are particularly good, and they were able to keep this match flowing at uh, a good solid pace that uh, didn't let up too much. Yeah, it wasn't bad, 3.25, uh, and it capped the show off nicely, but just, wow, dire straits up until that point. Uh, not a very good NXT overall. But over to Dynamite, which opened with an absolute banger. Swerve Strickland versus Darby Allen. Uh, this match was excellent. Probably the second best I've seen all, all week, I'd say. Uh, Swerve and Darby have wrestled each other a lot. They clearly trust each other. They have good chemistry together. Uh, and they just went all out to put on a... a stunt-filled wrestling match to open off Dynamite real, real hot. Uh, yeah, I feel like if you know anything about these two wrestlers, this one is just a done deal on paper. You should go check it out. Four out of five. And Powerhouse Hobbs defend his TNT Championship against Silas Young. Uh, yeah, I don't really remember anything about this one. I feel like it was pretty short, and Silas doesn't exactly uh, hit all the high notes of a Powerhouse Hobbs match. 2.25 from me. Uh, very unmemorable. Then Orange Cassidy took on Buddy Matthews for the AEW International Championship. Uh, I feel like this is one of the better Orange Cassidy matches I've seen in the last little while. Buddy's a fantastic wrestler and is able to stitch together Orange Cassidy's comedy stuff into a more cohesive match than we normally get. I uh, quite like this one. It was a 3.25. Uh, however, at this point, the rest of the night is kind of hit and miss. Uh, after that, we have Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa against the Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. <sighs> Cutler and Nakazawa got their asses beat in this one. Uh, it was pretty short, pretty violent, uh, a little better than some of these BCC matches have been in the last couple of Dynamites. So 3 out of 5, it was decent, better than I expected. Um, but this is, you know, just a, a match to build up. More heat for this BCC Elite feud. Moving on to Riho and Sky Blue versus the Outcasts, Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. Uh, the this was an okay tag match. Uh, you know, Sky Blue as always is, is a little hit and miss. I feel like in this match, she was a little more miss, but at least Riho is there to kind of compensate for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a little messy to start with. It got a little better as time went on. It was all right. Um, I, I don't exactly know where this is going. If it's going to like a women's blood and guts, or you know, just some other kind of multi-women tag match. Uh, but you know, it's not terrible. At least it's getting it's getting there. And your main event, Chris Jericho took on Keith Lee, who is now a wizard, and I'm all for it. Um, I guess they're both wizards, so this is technically some sort of magical duel. Uh, sorry, duel. In any case, this was a f uh, pretty solid match. Keith Lee is a uh, very dynamic wrestler who can work with a lot of different styles, um, or work with a lot of different styles, rather. So, One of those uh, technically good, but uh, maybe not very memorable matches. In any case, it was a fine main event, but uh, the real meat of this dynamite is right at the beginning with Swerve and Darby. Excellent match. Moving on to Ring of Honor on Honor Club, and I'm sorry to say this is probably the worst episode they've done yet. Uh, we open with Ari Divari versus Mark Briscoe. Uh, yeah, not great. Didn't uh, really excite me, and uh, you know the crowd was happy to see Mark, but this match didn't exactly light them on fire. Two point five. 
Uh, from there, Sky Blue took on Kelly Madan, and unfortunately, this is probably one of the worst Sky Blue matches I've seen. It wasn't very long, and what we did see was kind of sloppy and a little messy, and uh, just not her best work. Uh, 1.75, unfortunately. That's... Uh, Probably the lowest score I've given anything on ROH. After that, Mike Bennett took on Darius Martin. Um, not the craziest Mike Bennett guy, and Darius isn't as good of a singles wrestler as Dante is, so this one was just okay, 2.5. Then Tracy Williams took on Wheeler Yuta in a much more entertaining bout than we'd had so far. Um, these two worked pretty well together. It was a good technical match with some decent striking. 3.25 for me. Um... It's unfortunate that Yuta lost his title, and he's going to kind of have to take a step down in Ring of Honor. In any case, uh, up next was the workhorsemen, J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry, against Katsuyori Shibata and Alex Coughlin, who is going to be his uh, next challenger for the pure title. This was a pretty enjoyable one. The workhorsemen can always put on a, a very entertaining match, and just seeing Shibata is always just... Just a, a bit of a mild miracle. Uh, 3.25. Really good stuff. Check it out. After that, Willow Nightingale took on Little Mean Kathleen. One time I had a nightmare that Little Mean Kathleen broke into my house and started rummaging through my cupboards, and then when I asked her to stop, she hissed at me. That's that's true facts. It's a real story. I enjoy both these women a lot, and uh, Little Mean Kathleen, I think, showed off that she has the same type of charisma that willow does she's a very huge character for how small she is and i think the crowd really uh connected with her it was also her hometown but still um i think this was a really good showing i want to see more kathleen because she's just great and uh for a short little fun squash this is pretty good 2.75 that's a that's a commendable 2.75 and not a disappointing 2.75 they didn't have a whole lot of time to work with here but it was still good after that, Stu Grayson took on Tony Nese. Uh, both guys are really good in ring um, and, like, memorable characters, but perhaps are just maybe missing that special something that makes them top guys. So this match, you know, was still enjoyable, but ended up just being a three. Um, you know, nothing wrong with it. Nothing amazing about it either. Uh, next for the ROH Women's Championship, in a proving ground match, uh, Ashley Damboise tries to take on the walking fucking the walking blender that is Athena um, yeah this wasn't Athena's best match on ROH but it certainly wasn't her weakest either um, Damboise is a pretty good uh, competitor and this was you know just another solid match you know not gonna be remembering it when I think about Athena's uh, title run so far but furthers the story it did its job three out of five and the main event for the roh world championship claudio castagnoli versus metalik um yeah i don't know i feel like this one could have could have approached greatness but maybe these two when it came to doing metalik's like rope stuff just didn't click um there wasn't a ton of metalik doing his normal high-flying offense and when he did it it seemed like Claudio had trouble being the base for it, especially for the spot where they were in the ropes. And if you've seen this match, you know what I'm talking about. It just took way too long and looked kind of stupid by the time it finally happened. So even though it was one of the climactic spots of the match, I feel like it, it didn't really add anything just because, you know, the spot was kind of exposed for a little too long. Uh, this could have been really good. And in the end, it's just pr pretty good. Uh, 3.25. It's unfortunate that nothing really uh, took off on this episode of Ring of Honor. There's usually one banger match on every episode, and this one uh, just didn't, uh, just fell a little short. But now it's time for Impact. Last episode before Rebellion, we start with Frankie Kazarian versus Kenny King. Pretty decent match. Both guys are alright. Both guys can probably pull off uh, a truly great match with the right opponent, but this was just an okay match. 2.75. Then we have a four-way bout. Black Taurus versus Lince Dorado versus Laredo Kid versus Rich Swan. Uh, some pretty good high-flying spots in this match. Not quite the best from any four of these guys that I've seen. But, uh, you know, you know, for a, for a throwaway spot-fest match, this was uh, good stuff. 
Uh, it's interesting seeing Lindsay Dorado and Rich Swan interacting. They've wrestled each other a lot in their careers, and I found it interesting how clearly uh, strong the trust between Dorado and Rich Swan is because he let Black Taroos just powerbomb him out of the ring because he knew Rich was there to catch him. Um, it's just interesting when you, you can tell the trust between two wrestlers and, and the bond they must have through their wrestling. I thought that was pretty neat. 3.25. Uh, after that, Jessica took on Taylor Wilde, and I'm happy to say that this match was better than anything I've seen from both women in a long time. Uh, in this match, Jessica was really allowed to show her personality and her showmanship. Showwomanship. Um, she's a very entertaining lady and clearly has a lot of charisma, and that really bumped this match up quite a bit. And I remember being like, wow, I'm actually really enjoying a Taylor Wilde match because Jessica is, is bringing in so much heat and getting the crowd invested in it. Um, yeah, I, I can see why she gets so much respect in the industry. She really does know what she's doing. Um, after that, uh, yeah, that was a three out of five for me. Um, pleasantly surprised. After that, Dirty Dango and Joe Henry took on Angels and Callahan of the Design. Uh, I do love me some Joe Henry, and I feel like a tag with uh, Dirty Dango would make a lot of sense. However, this match didn't have a whole lot to chew on. It was just average at 2.5. And then your main event, Giselle Shaw took on Tasha Steeles. Um, you know, it was a decently entertaining bout. Uh, nothing wrong with it, but uh, I don't exactly know what makes this the main event. Uh, I feel like, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what you would replace it with on this match. So a bit of a lopsided uh, impact this week. Um, it wasn't, there weren't any matches that were really shooting for the stars, but that's fine. It's just an episode of TV, and they've got a big pay-per-view coming up, so... I feel like for a couple of matches that they did here that shouldn't have been as good as they were, this is a pretty all right impact. Um, mixed bag, but I was fine with it. Over to AEW for Friday Night Rampage, which opened with, goddamn, an IWGP Tag Team Championship match. Aussie Open, Mark Davis, and Kyle Fletcher defending their titles against the best friends, Trent Taylor and Chuck Beretta. Uh, Trent Taylor and Chuck Beretta. Wow, I'm fucking tired. Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor. Uh, this was a pretty excellent match. Aussie Open is on fire right now, winning titles, having blockbuster tag matches on TV all over the goddamn world, and I'm all for it. These guys are so entertaining. They put on such a great match, uh, and the best friends, you know... They're usually not scoring fours for me, but they're both really solid, dependable wrestlers who can make a team like Aussie Open look like fucking money. Uh, yeah, great hot opener to Rampage. Unfortunately, it is all downhill from here. After that, we have Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Mark Briscoe. Ugh, oh no. Against Manscout and the Spanish Announce Project, Luther, Serpentico, and Angelico. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. I am very sad that Mark Briscoe is hanging out with these losers and that they're getting more TV time. This match was a two. It sucked. Uh, didn't like it. Uh, thank God it was short. After that, Emi Sakura took on Taya Valkyrie. And, uh, whew, you know, uh, if they needed somebody to come in and make Taya look like a threat, Emi is the one to call. She is just the MVP of women's wrestling in AEW right now. You need somebody to come in and just give a little extra credibility. Emi Sakura is going to have a match that's going to make them look powerful and like you should care. Um, I really hope she gets her flowers at some point. She says her dream is to have a match at Wembley, so I really hope they have something for her at All In. Because um, she's just been slam dunking everything that this company is throwing at her lately uh really love everything from emmy sakura this was a, a solid match probably better than i've seen a lot of taya valkyrie from so uh 3.25 overall moving on uh your main events jungle boy jack perry took on sean spears and this one was pretty good but it's just another one that i feel like i don't remember a whole lot about maybe i was distracted maybe it just didn't grab me i don't know but it, it was fine uh, three out of five. It's nice to see Sean Spears back, and he's doing his perfect ten gimmick again. Maybe he'll finally get over as a babyface in a company that's not going to shit on him. You know, we'll see. 
Uh, moving on to SmackDown. Speaking of companies that will shit on Sean Spears, uh, L.A. Knight took on Xavier Woods in an opening encounter that, uh, surprisingly to me, was pretty heated. Fans really respond to L.A. Knight. He is charismatic as fuck, and uh, they really need to figure out what they're doing with him because he is the kind of guy who has the potential to make you a lot of fucking money if you know how to handle him right. So, uh this was a solid match and it made LA Knight look good uh, however he did not win so that sucks uh, 3 out of 5 after that Damian Priest took on Santos Escobar of the Latino World Order uh this match was alright, had some decent spots. Santos is very talented, so he can make a lump like Priest look pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, it ended due to Dominic shenanigans, so just a 3 out of 5. But still, decent SmackDown so far. Let's turn that down, way down, for the return, unfortunately, of Shinsuke Nakamura. Very happy to see Nakamura back on TV. However, his opponent is one of my least favorite WWE wrestlers, Madcap Moss. God, this guy's just fucking useless. Uh, I don't know. If I have a super prestigious Japanese wrestler coming back from a long absence, I probably wouldn't put him with the guy who broke Big E's neck, but that's just me. Uh, I do not like Mad Cat Moss. This match was short and boring and didn't really have anything exciting to get me hyped that Nakamura's back. This match was basically just, hey, Nakamura's back. All right. 2.25. Disappointing. And then your main event... <laughs> It's fucking Solo Sokoa again, because when you can't figure out a main event, just throw Solo out there. It's like you're beating Roman. (sighs) Against another return, Matt Riddle. Oh, man, how the stars have fallen on that man's head. I went from Matt Riddle being one of my favorite indie wrestlers to not giving a shit whenever he enters the room, because I just know too much about the guy. Uh, Yeah, don't care about him and kind of wish he would go away uh not a no longer a likable dude in any case he got a 2.75 out of me for this match against solo can't remember much about it other than being like ugh, gross matt riddle but moving on to new japan pro wrestling they are in washington dc for the first of two shows in the united states this weekend or last weekend rather uh, first Capital Collision uh, opens with West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jorel Nelson and Royce Isaacs versus TMDK, Shane Haste and Bad Dude Tito. Um, whenever Shane Haste does anything, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Nobody does it like that. Only Shane Haste does like that. Only he moves the way he does. And then Bad Dude Tito comes in and I'm like, hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Shane Haste. He's one of my absolute favorite wrestlers and i want to see him teaming with mikey nichols again because uh these bad dude tito matches just are lacking that extra something he doesn't have the same uh chemistry that he has with mikey uh, but you know i know we're getting those matches again soon Mikey's just uh a little travel averse right now i guess in any case, uh, moving on, Gabriel Kidd, Kevin Knight, Kushida, Speedball Mike Bailey, and Volador Jr. took on Chuck Taylor, Leo Rush, Clark Connors, Rocky Romero, and the DKC in a pretty crazy uh, 10-man tag that was very fast-paced, full of cool spots. Uh, Clark Connors looked really good. Speedball got in some cool moves. It's always nice to see him. Uh, yeah, just a stacked match. Even for a throwaway multi-man tag, this was pretty exciting. 3.25, uh, definitely worth watching. After that, AR Fox took on David Finlay. Uh, love AR Fox. Every time he shows up, he proves why he's so unique and talented, and he really deserves, uh, the world. In any case, David Finlay is the new leader of Bullet Club, so he needs a lot of talented wrestlers to chew on. Uh, this was still a good match, though, 3.25. Definitely worth checking out if you're already watching the show. Then for the New Japan Pro World Television Championship, Zack Sabre Jr. takes on Filthy Tom Lawler. Uh, quite like this match. Um, standard Zack Sabre Jr. war of attrition technical bout uh, with a wrestler who can keep up with him on the mat. This was a... Uh, fairly nasty one i know tom lawler's tooth went right through his face um and that's pretty gross but uh yeah overall really really solid best match of the night best match of the weekend for uh new japan i'd say um very good showing from both men here recommended 3.75
then we have Tomohiro Ishii versus El Desperado. Uh, these two have had some memorable encounters in the past, and this is no exception. Uh, they w- work really well together, and this was a very entertaining, strong style type match. Uh, 3.5. This match, or um, the show, is getting pretty heated at this point, but uh, overall, um, I think this kind of middle part is where it uh, peaked. Because after that, we have Los Ingobernables de Japón, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, and Tetsuya Naito versus just five guys, Sonata and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Um, I'm not the biggest Naito fan. Takahashi is hit and miss for me. I feel like he's one of the slower junior heavyweights they have. Not a Sonata fan, and Kanemaru is just one of those guys I've never really paid all that much attention to. So thankfully this one didn't overstay its welcome too much. I know Naito matches can be pretty grating. Uh, This one ended up squeaking out a three, but, uh, you know, I've seen far better uh, on New Japan cards, and these types of matches are always like, uh, okay, turn down your enthusiasm. It's all the, the slow guys. Next for the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, Kenta takes on Eddie Edwards. Um... Yeah, this one was another just fine match. Uh, you know, they got through it, and nothing was bad, but uh, I couldn't tell you about any of the spots in this match, which is funny because Eddie Edwards will have a match the day after this that is very memorable uh, for different reasons, but uh, this one was just a three for me. And then your main event of Capital Collision, the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Saban and Alex Shelley take on Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada, the Dream Team, and Aussie Open, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher for the New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team Championships. Uh, this match was a fucking sizzling hot plate. Uh, some of the two of the best teams in tag team wrestling today. Uh, up against two of the best singles wrestlers in Japan's history wrestling together. Every time Tanahashi and Okada uh, team up, it's always memorable. It's always worth watching. This is no exception. Um, Just more of the Aussie Open party that we've been enjoying. These guys are fucking crazy with the amount of matches they're doing that are all high caliber and memorable and exciting um, cannot fucking wait to see them at uh, Forbidden Door later this year. Yeah, 3.5. This was a, a hot match to end on, and uh, overall, Capital Collision was an excellent pay-per-view. Um, not a single match really lacked in any major way. They were all pretty enjoyable. And considering that Collision in Philadelphia was a major step down, I would say this is the New Japan show to watch this weekend. Uh, moving on to Impact Rebellion, which opened with, well, fuck me, the ABC, Ace Austin and Chris Bay versus the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, this time for the Impact World Tag Team Championship in an Ultimate X match. Uh, Chris Sabin having been in like 8,000 of these, um, yeah, fucking incredible way to open up this show with two dynamite teams who work really well together, doing insane spots in one of Impact's signature matches. Uh, I feel like I shouldn't have to sell this one to you. Um, Just the idea of this match, you should be like, oh, that would be good. And it is. Um, Not quite on the match of the year level, but fuck me, I would open any show with a match like this. Uh, Got the crowd red hot, and uh, very entertaining from bell to bell. 3.75, check this one out. After that, a four-on-three handicap match. The Design, Angels, Callahan, Khan, and Diener took on Dirty Dango, Joe Henry, Joe Hendry, goddammit, and Santino Morella. Um, I expected this would be the worst match on the card, and it turns out I was, uh, well, technically right, but it wasn't even bad. Uh, I was kind of blown away by how cohesive and smooth this match was when it could have easily been a complete shit show um joe hendry his power moves are spectacular he's just such a good like standard type wrestler that you don't really see anymore like he doesn't specialize in high flying he's not like particularly a powerhouse he's just like a a tall muscular dude who does big slams really well uh and he's charismatic as all fuck he's one of my favorite guys from impact future megastar i think uh, moving on to PCL versus Eddie Edwards in a last rights match. You know, 
With something like Last Rites, it could easily be goofy bullshit uh, that, you know, ends up just being embarrassing. And I was kind of worried that this was going to be an embarrassing match. Uh, instead, it was one of the most memorable matches I've seen all year. Not the best, but memorable. PCO, and I hate to use a, a cliched slogan here, is not fucking human. Uh, in this match, he dislocates his shoulder and... And they do a close-up in it, and you can see the you can see the bone like jutting out against his skin. And what does he do? Does he call it quits? Does he roll over and die? No, he fucking goes out and bashes his shoulder bone back in on the ring post. What an absolute fucking beast! Uh, he took insane bumps in this match, even after he f- fucking put his shoulder back in. Bled everywhere, uh, like. At every point, I was waiting to be like, okay, that was pretty sick, but here's where this match is probably going to start sucking. It just never happened. It just kept getting better. Uh, The crowd kept getting hotter. PCO kept getting more and more crazy. I can't believe that this match ruled so hard. Uh, Four out of five. It was kind of like the the Bully Ray-Josh Alexander match where I'm like, I can't believe this is as good as it is. Um, Yeah fucking check it out if you're not squeamish because this match uh, is pretty nasty but pretty special at the same time you know like I said it's not going to be high on my match of the year list but it's also going to be one that I'm going to be thinking about and remembering for a long time if that wasn't enough fucking fasten your seatbelts because the next match is for the Impact X Division Championship Trey Miguel versus Jonathan Gresham versus Speedball Mike Bailey I've had a lot to say about the Jonathan Gresham speedball feud that's been going on lately, and the main takeaway I got is that when they're one-on-one, they're really, really good, but maybe not, like, completely tear the house down good like you'd expect. You know? They've been wrestling kind of subdued matches, not really going full tilt like you know both guys can. But you put them in a tag team against someone else, or put them in a triple threat, with someone else and it's fucking magic because this match was one of the best i've seen all year just insane like constant action that just never slowed down always had a a, a new idea popping out around the corner Uh, obviously it's a triple threat so speedball has a bunch of moves that he always does in triple threats and none of them ever get boring or old because it's just like, oh, shit, they pop so much. They're so special. They're so unique. Oh, I I feel like I can't even, like, gather my thoughts on this match because I, I was literally just after a while watching it, not really thinking about the score or, like, the quality of the match, but just being taken away with how fucking cool it was. Um Impact is so blessed to have wrestlers like these on their roster. There were some times in the last 10 years where things were really, really desperate and dire for them. And the fact that they can put on wrestling of this caliber is pretty spectacular and special. Um, Unfortunately, the rest of the show doesn't uh, quite hold a candle to this. Uh, It's still really, really good. But this is one of the best wrestling matches of the year go out of your way to see it it's just a joy to behold uh up next <laughs> the match i was dreading the most uh that actually ended up being not too bad a team bully bully ray brian myers kenny king masha slamovich and moose versus team dreamer tommy dreamer bupinder gujar frankie kazarian killer kelly and yuya uemura in a hardcore war I've really not been enjoying Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer and their stupid feud about their dumb podcast that I don't listen to. But I will say this match really figured out how to make that feud better, which was to have Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer not in most of it. Because um, when it was all the other wrestlers just doing like timed entrances, uh, kind of like war games, this match wasn't so bad. It definitely slowed down a lot once Bully Ray got in and Tommy Dreamer got in, but by the time they were in there, the match was already nearing its conclusion, so they didn't have a whole lot of time to waste. Trust me, Bully Ray definitely wasted time and got over his stupid fucking takes that he's got to include in spots and matches now, like the holding the ladder thing. Ugh. It's just annoying. 
But in any case, uh, I was expecting a dreadful match, and this one was actually pretty fun and enjoyable. 3.25, very worthwhile on this card, uh, which surprised me a lot. And then for the Impact World Championship, Steve Macklin takes on Kushida in a very weird clash of styles, but uh, this match ended up being pretty sick. Uh, Macklin is... It's interesting that he's really come out of his shell at Impact. I wouldn't say he's necessarily what I would call a top guy, but um, a very worthwhile cog to have in your machine. And uh, with you know both the Impact men and women's uh, world championships being vacated due to injury, uh, a fine guy to have carry the company for the next little while because you know fans don't exactly like Steve Macklin. Um, I was again surprised how good this match was i thought macklin was going to kind of drag kushida down but this ended up being a a pretty exciting match full of lots of big spots um some pretty brutal uh, moves on the outside of the ring i was uh pleasantly surprised this was a 3.75 and what's even more surprising is that they would have the world championship match on second last it would be pretty good and then the knockouts world championship match was also equally good. Uh, Jordan Grace versus Deanna Perrazzo, I'm happy to say, was a very solid complementary match to Kushida and Steve Macklin. It was a a lot less uh, brawling in this one, but it ended up uh, being just as good. I was was really impressed with all four people in these in these title matches they really made them feel like a big deal and coming off a, a show stealing performance from Trey Miguel and Gresham and Speedball they had their work cut out for them and none of these matches really fell short of expectations i'd say they kind of exceeded them you know considering that they were kind of hastily put together to compensate for injuries uh yeah really good ending to this show one of the best shows I've seen all year. Rebellion started off hot and didn't really take their foot off the gas pedal. It definitely peaked in the middle, but um, it didn't crash. You know, it kept going pretty steadily until it reached the end. And by the time it was over, I was like, that was really solid. I can't think of a single match that wasn't good. If you're not on the Impact train at this point, they've only had one super card this year that fell short of expectations every single one of them uh other than i think sacrifice last month has been exceptional um i'm not saying you should have to watch every episode of impact uh every week but i think their pay-per-views are are must see uh go out of your way to see this show definitely check out the x division championship match because it is truly special And after a collision in the capital, why not have a collision in Philadelphia as well? New Japan's second show of the weekend opens with Delirious and Kevin Knight versus El Desperado and Volador Jr. Uh, Despy and Volador apparently used to uh, wrestle and tag together quite a bit when Desperado was on excursion in Mexico. That's kind of neat. Uh, This was a pretty short match, but uh, it was fairly well-paced and didn't... uh, Overstay its welcome, a decent opener overall, 2.75. After that, in a Ring of Honor Pure Rules match, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams took on Alex Coughlin. Um, Pretty good showing from both men. I feel like Coughlin looked really good, and he's going to need to really uh, sharpen these Pure Rules skills if he's going to take on Shibata. Um, Pretty solid match. I gave it a 3. And then after that, Clark Connors took on the DKC. Clark having turned on the DKC and joining Bullet Club the night before. This match was pretty short, uh, didn't have a whole lot of go, uh, really going on other than DKC getting his ass kicked. Uh, yeah, I kind of blinked and missed this one. 2.5, not great. Then Team Filthy, Tom Lawler and the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jorel Nelson and Royce Isaacs, took on TMDK, Zack Sabre Jr., Bad Dude Tito, and Shane Haste. Uh, this was a pretty energetic six-man tag um a lot of uh, high impact technical wrestling and uh, some pretty good brawling as well uh, both teams excel in both areas and i feel like uh it was pretty decent if a little chaotic and uh a little unfocused i guess you would say three out of five not bad uh after that homicide and rocky romero took on sonata and yoshinobu kanamaru uh gotta admit i did not like this one it was a little boring uh 
Rocky's cool, but I don't really, and I like Homicide, but you know, I haven't really seen any Homicide matches in the last little while that really play up to why he's like a legendary figure. So, yeah, not great. Two point five. I also gave two point five to Orange Cassidy versus Gabriel Kidd for the AEW International Championship. A uh, little too much time wasting, a little too much jaw jacking, a little too much comedy, not enough wrestling in this one for me. Uh, I was finding it hard to keep paying attention because there were just so many spots where no wrestling was happening and they were just kind of interacting with the crowd, but the crowd wasn't exactly like crazy about it. So I don't know. I don't know if this match achieved what it set out to do, but it certainly wasn't very memorable to me. 2.5. After that, Bullet Club, Kenta and Chase Owens took on LIJ, Naito, and Takahashi once again. Um, Yeah, again, this uh, match, you know, I don't really like Chase. Kenta hasn't really been the same since NXT, and Naito and Takahashi are two of the most... Uh, inconsistently good wrestlers uh, that I can think of. So this match was just all right, 2.75. Mostly just Chase Owens getting his ass kicked. Not great. After that, Lance Archer took on Fred Rosser in a Philadelphia street fight. Uh, This is in uh, the first round of the mini tournament to find Kenny Omega's challenger at Forbidden Door. Um, Gotta say, I probably would have preferred Lance Archer versus Juice in a normal match because this, as a street fight, was kind of just Lance hitting Fred with stuff and then Fred hulking up a bit and getting a hope spot and then getting hit with more stuff. And apparently he had just had his ear ripped off uh, the previous night and had it stitched back together. So it's just like, I don't know, (laughs) maybe give poor Fred a day off. I know he's no days off Fred Rosser, but like, damn, dude, the match wasn't even good. Like, go home. Take, take a break. Get some rest. Uh, 2.5. Not a great match. And then your main event for the New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team Championships of the World. Ozzy Open, Mark Davis, and Kyle Fletcher versus Chaos, Tomohiro Ishii, and Leo Rush. Bit of a weird pairing of Ishii and Rush, but uh, I like both guys, and they work pretty well together as a team. And Ozzy Open haven't put on a bad, ta- bad tag match that I've seen yet. Uh, this was a 3.75, very enjoyable uh, closing match for this show. Definitely ended it on a high point after there were not very many high points throughout. Um, yeah, Aussie Open has just been on an incredible tear right now, and I feel like you could put them in front of two brooms and a bucket, uh, and they would put on a solid match. 3.75, definitely worth checking out, I would say, more so than anything else on uh, on this card. And uh, that brings it to the end of the 80 matches I watched this week. Uh, it's kind of a weird one. Only a couple of really solid matches, but some of the best I've seen all week. But then at the same time, a lot of the usual weekly shows were pretty lackluster. Uh, we'll see if this week is any different. There's a lot of... Moving parts on a lot of wrestling companies right now, a lot of shuffling around as people are kind of um, resetting after Mania Week. So, uh, you know, we'll see if uh, next week is any better and if I can crack 100 matches because I'm a little disappointed in this one. But in any case, thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, I really appreciate it. I know you have a million and one choices of wrestling podcasts, and it's bewildering that you choose mine, but thank you so much. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow the show at ThrowTatorsShow or uh, myself at at MattBasky. And if you want to really do me a solid, you could smoke weed and watch wrestling. That, that, That would just be great. See you next week, everybody.